Welcome to the Magic Valley Bible Church Sermon Podcast. Magic Valley Bible Church has been serving the Magic Valley for 20 years and is located at the corner of Gooding and Main Street in downtown Twin Falls, Idaho. Our service starts at 9 a.m. and is streamed live on our YouTube channel. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvbibletf.org or Facebook at facebook.com slash mvbible or YouTube at youtube.com slash mvbible. Magic Valley Bible Church, built on God's Word. Take your Bibles and open them to Mark chapter 8. We find ourselves in the last bit of this chapter, and it's a, a passage that is profound, a passage that strikes at our hearts, a passage that will either convict or confirm where you are with Christ. And so I come with this text in my soul over the last couple weeks, just kind of pondering this and knowing that it has its own power. Not only is it inspired by God, but but Jesus himself giving imperatives, must-dos, commands that helps us understand clearly, without a shadow of a doubt, what it means to follow Jesus Christ. The title of today's sermon is The Cost and Consequences of Following Jesus. Let me read God's holy inspired word, starting in verse 34. Follow along as I read to the end of the chapter. And he, Jesus, summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Let us pray. Father, we again come to your word desiring to to know it, to understand it. Jesus, as we've been going through the Gospels, we, we see how you have navigated life, how you displayed your goodness and kindness to so many, not only showing the very truth that you are the Messiah, but your divine kindness and healing people. Showing mercy where mercy needed to be shown. This is definitely who you are, the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one, the one who would redeem people from their sins to atone for them. In light of that, it's not just a truth that is is static and set just in our souls, but it is a truth that changes our lives. The passage before us, Lord, we, we, we sense the urgent call to clearly understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. There's some bold things there, I think, that are helpful for our souls to hear. Things for us to, to grasp and to evaluate. And Spirit, we trust that you will teach us. 
Be with your under-shepherd, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Like I said, the text that we find ourselves studying this morning is a text that checks our hearts. It examines our love and our devotion, our commitment to Jesus Christ and his truth. It asks the penetrating questions like, are you a true follower of Jesus Christ? Or it will expose you as a fraud, a fake, and maybe even going through the emotions. Our text will either confirm your relationship with Christ or it will expose it. And by the way, beloved, both of those are good results. Why? Because if you find yourself exposed, then what is in our text will help you understand what it means to truly follow Christ. And if you find yourself confirmed, then it will encourage you all the more that you're hitting the mark of what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus. And so as we study this passage, may the Holy Spirit confirm or expose, which, by the way, he does a great job doing that. And because this is such a serious heart check type of text, your outline is, is full. Let me encourage you, we will not get through it all today. The passage easily divides into two main points. You have them there in your outline to hang some truth on, to write down some notes. But Jesus, he, he evaluates what it's going to cost you to follow him. He has a cost that is far beyond we can even imagine when we think about him coming from the, the, the throne room of heaven and dwelling amongst men and giving himself for the sake as an atonement for us sinners. In light of that, Jesus says there's a cost that you must do as well. Following Jesus is not just something that you wake up and you just think, oh, you know what, this is a great thing because there's a lot of neat people in the church. And that's the group of people that we want to hang out with. It's the cost of following Christ. The second point is the consequences for following Jesus. He, he clearly gives us this ultimatum of, of understanding of what it means to, to follow him, that it will be not necessarily easy. There's this exhortation that, that of honor, of, of making sure that you're not ashamed of him. And then it speaks about the whole issue of what will you give your soul to? What good would it profit a man to, to gain the whole world but yet lose his soul? Consequences. Or the consequences for not following Jesus. On the heels of, of the greatest confession from the mouth of the apostle Peter, rightly defining Jesus as the Messiah, no doubt a high point in Peter's life, and the rest of the disciples' lives, of, of, of putting the pieces together, understanding clearly who Jesus was. And just a short verse later, only to sink to the lows because they missed the mission of why Jesus came and was going to die on the cross for their sin. From that pinnacle of, of, of highs and lows, Jesus moves on to the serious nature, what it means to follow him. 
He's got their attention, right? He's drawn them in. And he simply says, it will cost you something. And let me just say it this way. It will cost you everything. And two, in such following, such devotion, understanding the cost, you will have consequences that will affect your life in this world. The cost is simply this. It will cost you everything to follow Jesus. This is about self-denial. This is about a radical call and cost of understanding that you're going to leave your old self-absorbed life. This is about being all in. Not just dipping your toes into the waters of Christianity thinking, you know what, that feels good and that's all I want. It's a call to, to enter in this new transformed born born-again type of life that is Christ-centered, Christ-absorbed, and Christ-saturated. It's about being transformed, being a new creature because of your Savior, because of Christ. It's a call to call. It's a call and a cost to die to self in order that you might live for eternity. It's a call and cost to die to your sin and to live in the power of the Holy Spirit and the fruit there it brings. It's a call and a cost to no longer follow the ideologies of the world, but to conform to your mind and heart to obey and follow what the scriptures say. It's a call to submit yourself to, to the leadership of Jesus Christ in every aspect of your life. A call and a cost that says, he is my authority. He is my Lord. He is my master. This is the call and cost of following Jesus Christ. Our passage defines what it is to be a true follower of Christ and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And what this truth tells us and strikes at the heart, especially where Christianity is today, is that today's Christianity and all of its fluffy adventures and its desires to, 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 to rightly follow Christ in their own minds, it speaks much about those who have a great lip service to the things of Christ but have no action or devotion to him. Today's Christianity wants an easy road to follow. You understand that, right? They want prosperity. They want self-success. All that at very little cost. And yet what Jesus says is that you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. It means that true Christianity will have suffering, trials, and even pain. Listen, beloved, Jesus didn't save you so you could have an easy and a cush life. No, he has saved you so that you might display his goodness and his grace and live out a redeemed life that points other to him. And sometimes that means that it will come with sufferings, that will come with trials, that will come with pain. All of this is clearly spelled out in another passage of scripture, but one major one that I want you to look at the screen with me in Ephesians chapter 2 clearly states this. Ephesians 2 clearly states the purpose of your salvation. Look at the screen as I read what the Apostle Paul says, starting in verse 4 of Ephesians 2. It says, But God, being rich in mercy, 
because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards, towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. And then get this, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. A salvation that you cannot save yourself, a salvation that Christ brings, a salvation that is, that is only by grace that you have been saved, which means that it is grace that is given to you that you can't even earn. This salvation then seats you with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This relationship that you're engaged in, in Christ and Christianity. And he saves you to display that goodness to the world. He saves you for to be his workmanship, Ephesians 2.10 tells us. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. For the ability to display his wondrous works and deeds in your life. You were saved by his grace to be his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which, by the way, this is what blows me away. Those good works that were prepared before you were even born or created. And you are to live them out and walk in them. And Jesus understands this. He understands exactly what's going on. He is leading his disciples to Jerusalem. They, they are north of Jerusalem. They are heading there. They're in Caesarea Philippi. He's bringing his disciples. He's already shut off his public ministry with those in the Galilee area. He's, he's doing these, the religious leaders, they're throwing rocks at him. They don't like him. And he's laying down this understanding, this cost, this devotion, of what it means to follow him. And so let us turn our attention to the cost. And we'll see how far we go. The cost is in verse 34. Look at it again. It says, and he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them. Remember the previous verses, we just had Jesus and his disciples. Jesus is rebuking Peter, and, he, and, and, and now he's turning to the, the crowds. He's actually inviting them in. And he gives us a listening ear. He already gave his, gave his disciples a, a clear indication of what his mission was in verse 31, where it says, The Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. And as we studied that, we understood that, that this mission, this idea of the suffering servant, the servant that was going to die, was a shock to the disciples. To the point we know in the text that Peter pulls Jesus aside and begins to rebuke him, Strongly telling him that that cannot be your mission. Jesus, of course, in turn rebukes Peter and tells him to get in line with God's promises, God's truth. 
And as we looked last week, Peter went from hero to zero just in a moment. So yet Jesus is not done teaching. Verse 34 tells us that he summons the crowd, no doubt. Those are maybe a plethora of different types of, of heart followers here. Some were wanting everything they can get out of a Jesus. They knew that he performed miracles. They were wanting something from him. He has fed the many. He has healed the many. From their perspective, they're still self-absorbed, wanting the benefits of Jesus Christ. And somewhere in that crowd, no doubt, there are, are spies from the religious leaders of the day. Their heart motive was to trap Jesus. Their heart motive was to, to get or gain evidence to turn the people against Christ. To give them ammunition, to discredit him, to kill him. And then you have the disciples. Those who have, to some degree, considered the cost to follow Jesus, and they were there faithfully desiring to walk by faith. There were there some who had experienced Jesus' grace and, and were, were giving up all that they knew and were following Jesus. And within those disciples, you have what will be the apostles, hand-picked by Jesus himself. We know earlier in this gospel that, that they had left as well everything to follow Jesus. And they were being taught by Jesus, and Jesus is investing in them, and because he knows that he, they are going to be the ones that will carry the torch when he dies and ascends, resurrects and ascends. And so you have them all gathered, and verse 34 continues to say to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He simply says, you too will have a cross to carry if you want to follow me. When we think about Jesus, his cross was to atone for sin, to be the savior of the world. The cross for us is to die to our own sin and die to self and follow him. It's interesting. He starts us out with a first condition clause, uh, <coughs> first condition clause. It's a phrase, if anyone wishes to come after me. It means this, if anyone would be counted as a follower of Jesus Christ, this is what you must do or be engaged in. And then what follows is our three imperatives. These are the three commands. And you can almost sense the, just the, the vigor and the, the heart Desire for, for, for them to draw in, understand the seriousness of what it means to follow Jesus. These are three must-dos if you call yourself a Christian. Those is, these actions, these imperatives, they define and they qualify what it means to be a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ. So what does this cost? Three imperatives. The first is that you must deny yourself. Jesus says in verse 34, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. 
To follow Jesus means more than the just identifying yourself as a Christ follower. To follow Jesus is more than a verbal lip service. To follow Jesus means to, to renounce yourself, to deny yourself. Denying yourself is a lifestyle. It's a daily pursuance. I love what Luke adds when, when, when he talks about this cost and this parallel passages in his gospel. He says, you do this daily, continually. In other words, to call yourself a Christian, it is part of your transformed nature of receiving grace and being redeemed. This is what it brings, self-denial. In the Greek, denying yourself means to refuse to acknowledge yourself. Think about that for a second. Especially in our own selfish desires to always want to be noticed. Jesus says, you want to follow me? Refuse to acknowledge yourself. It is the same word that is, that is in the passage where Jesus speaks to Peter prophesizing the reality that he will deny him three times before the rooster crows. The word has the idea of, of, of having distance yourself from something or someone. And what's remarkable here is that what Jesus says, the distance that you need to have is from you. It's from yourself. So simply put, it's to renounce self and to follow Jesus. It is the denial of being self-sufficient and in turn being Christ-sufficient. This speaks about lordship. This speaks about you removing yourself on the center of your life and rightly sitting, seating Jesus on it. speaks about self-denial to the point where you put yourself aside so that Christ can live and be the center of your life. It is a confession that your life no longer belongs to you, but to the one who has saved you and redeemed you. I love what Paul says, another very familiar verse to many Christians, Galatians 2.20. All of this is kind of just pouring out of this. It says there, Paul says this, I've been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. It's what Paul says in Colossians 3.17, where he says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. I think you get the sense of the seriousness of what it means to follow Jesus. This is not just adding Jesus to self. This is not just I want Jesus to ride along in my life and I will confer him when I need him. This is allowing the prominent and rightful place of having Jesus king of your soul. The first cost of being a true disciple of Jesus Christ is that you must deny yourself. 
There's a second imperative, a second command that must be in place in your life if you call yourself a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And that is you, you must take up your cross. Verse 34 continues and says just that, take up, your, take up his cross. And when the crowd and his disciples heard this, especially that the terminology of, of this, this Greek word, they knew exactly what Jesus was saying when he said take up their cross. They knew that the cross was a means to kill, a means to humble someone. It was very torturous. It was an act of humiliation. It was literally degrading a soul when you put the criminal on the cross. Crucifixion was meant as a weapon to deter anyone from doing the things that the person who, who hung them there on it did. What's remarkable, this is the first time in Mark's gospel that he mentions even the cross. Crucifixion will not be mentioned again until the events that we find Jesus heading to the cross himself in Mark chapter 15. The word cross, originally in the Greek, meant an upright stake. And prior to the Romans, it was around. The Romans, of course, put a mastery to it that, that put fear in its citizens. The Romans perfected the method, and it became their favorite method of execution for the worst of criminals. Most crucifixion sites were, were near major roads to make them visible to the people. The convicted would carry their own crossbeam and be attached to the, this upright post. The victim would then be tied or nailed to the cross and allowed to slowly die from exposure with festering wounds and eventually dying from asphyxia, in other words, loss of breath. Often death would take many days. And once they would die, it's not necessarily that they would just take them down and then put them in the ground. They would leave them there for the birds and the dogs. What was left, they were discarded in the trash heap. A very violent, humiliating death. So when Jesus says that you must take up his cross, what does he mean by that? I think it's helpful along with, with what I'm going to say. It, it means that suffering and trials are fit for those who follow and our followers of Jesus Christ, that there will come a cost of your own humiliation where your own suffering will be on display, whatever capacity that might be. But I think it ultimately means this, that there must be a death to self, and you will be humbled as he is exalted when you follow him. It is the understanding that the gospel that has saved you and the call to die to self, the call to give up your life 
and be willing to be sacrificed for this faith so that you in turn may live for the glory of God. It is a serious cost to follow Jesus. It has the idea of wearing the gospel of grace and not being ashamed to call yourself a Christ follower. Listen, we understand where the world's going with this. It is not going to get better. For the Christian, this will not be your best life now. It will be a ramped up, you're going to be in hatred's eyes as you stand for the authority and the truth of the scriptures. For some of us, we will be sacrificed. But for all of us, we will be mocked scurned and hated because of who Jesus Christ is and being his disciple. You must deny yourself. You must take up your cross. And third, the third imperative is that you must follow Jesus. Jesus ends verse 34 by saying, and follow me. Follow me as, the, as here means to go after it means to grab a hold of. And more importantly, when it comes to your heart, it means to obey the one that you're following. Notice Jesus doesn't say, follow a church or denomination. Notice that Jesus didn't say that you must follow a pastor or his ministry. You are to follow the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and all your loyalty and your desires in him. Yes, the church is his institution. Yes, he is the head of the church. But you're not following a church. You're following the head of the church. You follow the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christianity is, is being a disciple who follows and obeys exactly what the Lord believes. That's why we are so enamored and stuck with what the word of God says, that there's no wiggle room, that culture can't change its truth or we can't change its truth. Christianity is being a disciple who reads the word of God and says, thus saith the Lord, thus I will follow. That is why we can say Christianity is a relationship, because it is about a savior, a redeemer. It is about the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And then we can say that Christianity is not a religion, it's not about a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's about the one whom you follow. And because the one whom you follow has saved you, you love him to the point where you're going to follow everything that he says and does. Speaks about a cost of making sure that you understand of who you're following. I can reflect on my own conviction and what the Lord was doing with that. I remember the gospel being shared and trying to understand, you're telling me I got to give everything to this? My friend said, yes, absolutely. I said, time out. I said, I need to look at this. And so I, I, I endeavored to look at it, and, and he was talking to me, and we were going through the scriptures and was purposing, because if the call is to give my soul to this, it better be right. But let me tell you something, it is right. There's no contradictories in it. 
everything flows together with the plan and the purpose of God and what is revealed is for us to understand and know and it never fails. All of his promises has and will come to truth and come to pass. What is divinely revealed to you in the Bible about everything about God's purpose and plans is what we must embrace and obey and desire to live out. No wonder Jesus is constantly calling us with the help of the Spirit and the Word of God to conform us into his likeness. That is why we study the Bible with full desire and love. Why? Because we want to know the one whom we are following. So the call is to know Jesus and in turn follow what he says. We're heading to the Lord's table. I want to get time to that. But the question is, what does it mean to be Christ's disciple? What is the cost? Simply deny yourself. I say simply, I know that's tough. Take up your cross and follow him. When you think about the cost, and there have been books and there have been godly men fighting for this truth throughout the history of time, but we live in a day and age where there's a thought out there that all I got to do is say, Jesus, I must be saved. We call that easy believism. Listen, if that's all it was is for you to say, I love Jesus and that's it, there wouldn't be a passage like this. There is an interesting paradox that happens in this great salvation, understanding that, that Jesus gives everything. It cost him everything to give to redeem your soul. We know the truth that it, we did nothing to earn our salvation. But in turn, after that truth transforms your life in following him and receiving that salvation, listen, Jesus says, it will cost you everything as well. Salvation comes through faith alone, apart from any works that we can do. It depends on Christ for our salvation, and in turn, it causes us to deny self, take up our cross, and follow him. I mean, this is so beautiful when you think about the call and the commitment to follow Christ. And I get, I get it from a man's perspective. Why sometimes... If you want people and want to win people to Jesus, you don't want to necessarily tell them the cost because that might scare them away. Listen, you need to tell them the cost. Why? Because if they truly are going to follow Jesus, this is what's going to happen. The Apostle Paul sums this up beautiful for us in, in Romans chapter 6. You can look at the screen as it's thrown up there. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either in sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God that through, though you were slaves to sin or of sin, you became obedient from the heart that from 
of teaching to which you were committed and having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Listen, beloved, being a slave to Christ means freedom. And he's going to unfold that beautifully in one of the verses that come. Follow. You're going to be a slave to something, pretty much Paul says. Either you're going to be a slave and a master and sin is your master, or you're going to be saved, redeemed, and by the grace of God, you're going to now be turned towards the things and be a slave of righteousness. Paul continues in verse 22, where he says, But now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God... You derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. This is what this transaction encompasses. Being freed from the penalty of sin and enslaved to God. And the benefits of such thing is that your continual sanctification, your your continual holiness, and the outcome, eternal life. So much truth to be unfolded here, but yet I just want to leave it here, and we'll park the bus here just in light of allowing this to saturate our minds this week. I guess for, for us, am I all in? Ask yourself that. Am I all in for the sake of Jesus? I know we're not perfect in that. I know we battle with self every morning and every day. But these are markers. Are you habitually denying yourself? Are you habitually desiring to take up a cross and taking a stand for Jesus? Are you habitually known as one who follows Jesus? Are you saved by his grace and in turn have you committed everything that you are? To follow Christ. Either you have submitted your life to Jesus this morning or and received his grace and forgiveness, or you are not saved. And you are leading your life. And let me tell you by experience, I know you're not doing a very good job. For the one who doesn't know Christ, your emotions is your teacher. The ideologies of this world is your master. Your foolishness is your desire. But for the one who is in Christ Jesus, everything conforms to the likeness of who Christ is and what he says and what he calls us to do. So which are you? A simple exhortation. Which are you? Are you a true follower of Christ or are you pretending or denier? of the Savior. Jesus will simply say this to you, come all the way. Set yourself aside. Listen, he does a great job of leading your life. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. Amen? Father, we thank you for the morning and for just the simple exhortation imperatives that that pierce our hearts, that checks our hearts, that evaluates our standing with you. We know that we can't save ourselves. First and foremost, we need to repent and believe in you. 
but for many. Where is their, or the nature of their discipleship? Spirit, may you use your word to, to sift through hearts. May you use your truth to evaluate that our souls can be honest in light of the text. I guess the point is this, Lord. We don't want to just realize that we're in one camp or the other, that we truly do love you or we, we're a fraud and a fake. You don't want to leave us there either. You want us to continue to pursue you all the more if we're in the camp of receiving and rejoicing and being encouraged by the fact of following you. And for the one who doesn't know you, it would be foolish for them just to stay in their uncommitted state. Father, for such people, I just pray that you will use your word this morning and the help of the Holy Spirit to draw them and show them what they must do, how they must proceed in wanting to be a disciple of Jesus. May you put people in their lives to draw them closer, all the more closer, help them to, to grasp what it means to deny self and, and taking up a cross and what it means to follow you. And so we thank you for your word this morning and the truth that it brings. May it not be left at the door. May it continue to be permeate in our souls as we think about it this week and throughout the day. Our desire is for you to look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so we pray these things, knowing that you will have your way with our souls. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Magic Valley Bible Church Sermon Podcast. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvbibletf.org or Facebook at facebook.com slash mvbible or YouTube at youtube.com slash mvbible. MV Bible.